You're listening to the Kane and Cup podcast. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I want to thank you for supporting The Blaze. Because of your phone calls and emails, The Blaze has been added by many TV providers. But we can't stop now. The big media companies like DirecTV, Comcast, and Time Warner aren't listening. They think CNN, MSNBC, and Al Jazeera America are all you need. But we humbly disagree, and we think you do too. Visit GetTheBlaze.com and let your TV provider know that you want The Blaze in your home. GetTheBlaze.com. Thanks. Kane and Cup, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Good morning, America. This is the inaugural edition of Kane and Cup. There have been some esteemed, experienced, professional radio hosts who have sat in this chair. People like Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity. Many of you are Buck Sexton fans, Team Buck. This show is not one of those shows. We're nothing like them. We are not professional. No, we're not professional. We do not have our Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours of radio. We have no qualifications whatsoever to be talking to you right now. I don't know why we're here. (laughs) But yet here we are. Will, we're here for three hours. Oh my gosh. I am Will Kane. I am co-host of Real News on the Blaze, a CNN contributor. I'm S.E. Cup. I am also a Real News contributor. Uh, you might remember me from the S.E. Cup show, which I had here at the Blaze a couple years ago. And I got a show on CNN called Crossfire. We made a little list, S.E. I'd say we made this list two minutes ago. Actually, um, John, I know you said you didn't want to go on the air. Um, can you go to that mic, please, that's right in front of you, and just run through for me uh, all of the technical difficulties we have in our first two minutes of radio? There are absolutely none. <laughs> it's not true. I wrote them down because it felt almost like we were being punked. We came into the studio. This is a joke, right? We don't my, really have a radio show, do we? This isn't going out on the airwaves. Glenn? Um, my headphones weren't working. The clock in this room, the clock in this room is 40 seconds late. <laughs> So we're not exactly sure when our breaks come and go. We had a frozen call screen. So when you call in, we're flying blind. You can talk about whatever you want. We'll have no idea. Yeah, we, we will have no idea who's calling or what you're calling to talk about. Take advantage, people. <laughs> Take advantage. Now, we're really actually, and you know this, very excited to be here. We're very, very appreciative of John and Tony coming in on their weekends to hang out with us. Um, this is going to be fun. I'm really excited to hang out with not just SE Cup, but you folks for the next three hours. We um, we think we're going to talk about an airplane a lot today. Yeah, but you know what I'm excited to not talk at all about? What's that? College basketball. Oh, Lord. Can we not talk about college basketball, or are you into it? We are going to talk about a college basketball today. What? A little bit. We're going to be talking about how difficult it is to create the perfect bracket. If you can do that, you can be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about uh, Stand with Grayson. We're going to talk about the concept of, n- of nonconformity and how it can aid you in your life. But does that necessarily mean you should stand with Grayson? We're going to talk about conservatives in movies. I went uh-huh. and saw uh, the Lego movie last weekend. Yeah. I have two kids. Uh, uh, you don't both. have to explain yourself or defend yourself. You You're can go the see the Lego movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, and I'm excited to announce there's going to be a sequel of the best 
what I would suggest is the most libertarian, conservative, representative movie of our values, perhaps in history. The sequel to that movie has been announced. We'll talk about that wow. a little bit later. We're going to talk about beards. Oh, we are going to talk about beards. I've got a big theory on beards, and I think with the beard comeback, a lot of people are going to have an opinion about that. We're going to talk about animals getting revenge. Yes, you when have a story animals for us. strike back. You do have a story for us. I got a couple, my friend. <laughs> I got a couple, and we're going to take calls. We want people to um to call and talk to us, especially since we have no idea what they're going to say. None, because our call screen is frozen. So look. <laughs> one 3393 call in. You can talk to us about any of those topics as we get to them over the next three hours. I joke about us being unprofessional. I cho- joke about us uh, having no experience. Uh, that's all true. But really what we want is uh, you to hang out with us for the next three hours. Yeah. Call in, tweet us, at Will Kane, at SE Cup. Hang out with us for the next three hours. Let's go over some of the biggest stories in the news this week. And let's start, if we can, SE. Well, with the only story. It looks like it. It's the only story. Um... You know, if you are a sentient being, the only thing you have seen. What's a sentient being? Oh, I, I, I forget. I can't, I can't use big words around Will. Did you say sensitive being? First of all, he can't pronounce any of them. <laughs> um, no, I mean, if you were a thinking, breathing, living person, that's what sentient means. Gotcha. Uh, over this week, the only story you saw on the news was about the missing Malaysian airplane. And look, I get it. I get it. It's a it's a fascinating story. And the longer this thing goes, the more people are going to talk about it. So over the next three hours, let's talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about why people are captivated by it. I want to do a little media criticism. I yeah. want to talk about sh- whether or not we should be talking about this story, especially when uh, media coverage is a zero-sum game, mm-hmm. meaning the more time we spend talking about this, the less time we spend talking about something else. I want to talk about, um, I don't want to call this my theory on the plane, but you got to find your window into stories like this where your little synapses and endorphins start firing in your brain. And for me, I start clicking on the next link and the next link on Wikipedia until I try to find the bottom of the internet, which hopefully doesn't involve nudity. And then, (laughs) and then I'm into that story. And I found, I have two angles Again, I don't know if I call them theories on this plane thing. They're theories. I think they they're theories. They reveal something that gets my curiosity running about geographically, this section of the world, time, history, and civilization, no less. Sounds weird. Um, All right, start us out on the, on the uh, what's the latest well, on the, the Malaysian top, The top news on the plane, and calling it news is almost a misnomer at this point, because there's very little actual news coming out about this plane. Yet anytime you turn on the television, it will always say breaking news. Always. 24-7, it will always say breaking news. So the latest news <laughs> is that the debris that they pinpointed yesterday is not the plane. And there's more debris. Is that debris. right? That yeah. is breaking news to me. So the 79-foot and then the partner 24-foot floating yes. objects from the grainy satellite image. They have not found. Yeah, they sent planes over to that um, really remote corner of the ocean off of Perth, Australia, and they didn't find any of the so-called debris that those satellite images had suggested was there. So maybe it's there, but they didn't find it. And because it's so far off the coast, planes only have about two hours to search once they get there, and then they got to turn around. 1,500 roughly miles off the western coast of Australia, off the coast of Perth, which is the westernmost town 
and Australia. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's like half the length of this country. This is the uh, that spot in the middle of your back that you can't reach to yeah, itch. This exactly. is the part of your body you can never reach, nor do you want to. It's dark. It's <laughs> okay. Remote. All right. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, this is the part of the globe. And that's actually part of the fear factor for me in this. Like, if I go down, and I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this a little later. If I go down somewhere, I'm retaining that hope that I can swim. I can swim. Yeah, you can't swim anywhere from there. This is dumb. Not to mention, the ocean is two miles deep there. Two miles. Two miles. So, um, anyway, they didn't find it. The breaking news today is there's more satellite debris in the Indian Ocean. So they're going to go check that out. No, there's no news. Well, there's no news. The bottom line, okay, all you we'll need see you to next know week. is we'll be they back. don't know where this plane is. Okay, no news. We'll see you next week. We'll be back. This is Kane and Cup. Um, three hours again next week. We'll, we'll uh, shorten into a four-minute segment. No, they, you know, um, the, the, there's more debris. Here's what I find fascinating, yeah. Essie. Well, they no, found but this, they think there's more debris. They found this initial 79-foot um, image from a satellite. And the assumption being immediately, apparently, this is an airplane. Well, I, I, there is somewhere between 70 and 10,000 ocean cargo containers, roughly matching that description, mm. that drop into the ocean every year. Yeah. We ship over a million ocean cargo to containers a year, easily. And between 70 and 10,000 of them drop off, which is kind of fascinating, by the way. There's just... Rolex yeah, watches why? and right. cars floating. We'll have to explore that sometime. Sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Why? By the way, why? That there's your next Discovery Channel history show. I mean, why do we need gold rush in Alaska? Mm. Go pick up ocean cargo containers off the bottom of the ocean. That's right. Um, so I don't know why we immediately thought this was an airplane. Because we are desperate. I mean, we're we're not only desperate to know, we're desperate to find it. We're desperate for anything. And on the news, we're desperate. We're desperate for news, and there's no news. There is no news. We don't know where the plane is. That's the news. You know what you're left with? Theories. Yes. That's why people like this story. But So let's go through some of the top theories right now. I'm not talking about conspiracy theories. Oh, I'm not although talking we'll about, get to those. We will get to those. And we want to hear yours at, at, at home. I know you have a crazy conspiracy theory. Maybe you've told all your friends about it. Maybe you've told no one because it's really weird and embarrassing. But I know you have a conspiracy theory at home. So I want I want you to think about that. And in a little bit, we're going to ask you to call in and tell us yours. But th some of the top theories, not the kooky ones, uh, of course, that the plane was hijacked. Why? Because it went off course. It went off course. We all know they turned off both transponders. One's in the cockpit. One's below deck. You have to turn them off at different times. They were both turned off at different times. You have to do that manually. There's no other reason to do that. The, the plane um, made several turns. So, and well, adjusted big, altitude drastically, supposedly, yeah. which they're not 100% sure this happened, but soared up to 45,000 feet, dove back down to 24,000 feet, a drop, by the way, which most suggest would be perhaps uh, fatal for most of the people on board, that kind of G-force on, on the passengers. But what does that suggest? Again, if in fact that happened, is that a struggle for the controls of the plane? Right, right. What is that? So terrorism is one theory, of course. Uh, mechanical malfunction is another theory, although the plane supposedly flew for hours and hours and hours. That leads some to a, a ghost plane theory, that it was flying itself uh, on autopilot and, and no one was alive inside. Although Alternatively named 
The zombie plane. The zombie plane. Although the plane turned and ghost and zombie planes, to my knowledge, don't make turns. So those are uh, those are the top theories. Terrorism. Yeah. Hijacking. Uh, what is deterrent? What is what is apparently defined as? I, I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly, and and uh, the odds are I'm not. Um, Bartry, which is not a hijacking, not a mutiny, but when a captain of a ship actually takes over that ship uh, for an unintended purpose. Right. Um, right. And then and then the ghost plane, the zombie plane, which. The name in and of itself suggests this is a ridiculous theory. However, this is not an unheard of theory. Again, I, we're not breaking news here. Anyone interested in this story has probably been tuned into CNN or Fox quite consistently. But this is what happened to Payne Stewart's plane in 1999. The PGA golfer flying across the United States flo- flew for four hours um, after, most suspect, they had already died because they lost cabin pressure. So the pilot, the passengers on Payne Stewart's private Learjet had died, but the plane continued for four hours. It was even shadowed by U.S. military fighter jets. I remember that well because it was so eerie. Before it eventually came down in yeah, South Dakota. Yeah, it just Dakota. crashed, right, right. So they, they were able to find that one. But, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's one of the theories for this plane. But okay. uh, I, I want to get into um, why we're all so captivated by this. Because it is. I mean, it has got everyone's attention. I mean, internationally and here at home. Let's do that next. All right. 1-888-900-3393. Call in. We're going to talk about why this captivates you. Psychology, human psychology. I think that's fascinating. Why this story matters to us. We'll talk to you, Kane and Cup, right after the break on the Blaze Radio. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Another day with no news, only conjecture, only speculation. I think there's a lot of uh, speculation right now. The speculation we're hearing now, including my own, will prove to be wrong. With the wreckage still missing, speculation isn't. Welcome back to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Will Kane. I'm Essie Cup. We are talking about where this missing Malaysian MH370 flight is. Why? Why are we talking about this? That's a good question because I'm not like into aviation. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not an expert in aviation. Uh well, you know, uh nor am I. Right. Um Right. Yeah, but I think it's reveals something fascinating about human psychology. How is it that this story has captivated not just as you pointed out America's imagination? but the world's imagination. And we're going to do a little bit of media criticism in this segment. We want you to join us with your theories, with your opinions on how much this should be covered. Is it too much? Or better yet, why this story interests you? 1-88-900-3393. Tweet me at Will Kane. Tweet her at SE Cup. That's the question. That is fascinating to me, actually. What is it? Why? Why do we care? Why do we care? And I'm not talking about you and me. I'm talking about everybody. Why does everyone care? Let's do this, though. Before we indulge in media criticism and before we do armchair psychology, let's go to Mike in Kentucky. He's called in. He already has something on this that he wants to tell us. Mike, what's up? 
Hey, the question I have is that, uh, you know, being as uh, unforthcoming and dishonest that the Malaysian government has obviously been, and being that that's like a hotbed for terrorism, who says that that plane never actually landed back in Malaysia? And the whole concept of this plane being missing and everything is the idea of the, con- of, of the terrorists to, to, to strike fear in the hearts of everybody that flies planes in the West. You know, this is so great, um, and we're actually going to get into all of the theories in the next hour. But Mike is tapping into, I think, one of the reasons why we're so captivated by this, which is our biggest fears. Um, Terrorism is a fear that a lot of people post 9-11 have. In some corners of the world, it's a legitimate fear. Um, Certainly when a plane is involved and something happens, I think it's a legitimate fear. But I think a lot of us have fears that... um, that, that terrorism is going to cross paths with us at some point. I think a lot of people are also just afraid of airplanes. I mean, that is like the one of the top phobias. Yeah, I think you're hitting closer to home with that angle to this. I uh, appreciate the call, Mike. The, uh, the terrorism aspect actually isn't something that, that captivates me because everybody needs a personal window into a story. They need an identification point. What does this mean to me? Why does this matter to me? How can I relate to this story? And the truth is, um, it's as though I'm still 23 years old and live in this world of invincibility, which all young men do. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating, by the way, at my age. It's kind of fascinating to see the invincibility. Why, how old are you? How old are you, Will? I'm 38 years old. There you go. That's right. Confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I am 38 years old for another week. Oh, nice, um, nice. Happy the, early uh, birthday. The, I don't, see, I, I have no idea what I was talking about. You just totally ripped out my... <laughs> <laughs> no, terrorism is, I, I still yeah. retain a little bit of invincibility. I can feel it going away. Day by day, you can start to see your own vulnerabilities. But terrorism is not the one, it's not my port of entry into this story. I do think everyone does get on a plane and you sit your children next to you, side you or next next to you or your, your significant other and you think, what if it goes down? Yeah. What will I do? Right. And... I do retain, I was joking, like, I, I will grab a hold of a life jacket, and I will swim my kids to that island that is 300 miles away. You'll get uh, there. E- except this story scares the pants off me, because right. there is no swimming anywhere. You're stuck no. in the middle between Indonesia, Antarctica, Antarctica and uh, Australia. You're you're not going anywhere. No. But here's what I think. Here's why people are captivated this story. We need answers. We always need answers. We're uncomfortable right. with a lack of answers. This is why conspiracy theories exist in the world. We fill in gaps. It's why witness testimony, eyewitness testimony in a jury trial is actually very unreliable. Studies show that it's a bad indicator of guilt or innocence. It's not good evidence because we fill in gaps. Right. Wherever we don't see something, we don't know something, we create it unconsciously. We do We've not done know that it. for two weeks with this story. We right. have filled in gaps with information that we don't have. And I think that's right. I mean, in this technologically, um, you know, fast world, we're used to finding answers quickly. I mean, how many times have you been at a bar or a restaurant with friends? Something comes up, how, uh, you know, who's that person? How did this happen? And someone pulls up their phone and finds out. You find out in a second. So that, I think, is also why we're captivated. I have a theory, um, because it's so, uh, at, at, at one time, it's it's very relatable, because as you say, everyone's been on a plane and had that moment where you think, what if the plane goes down? On the other, it's completely foreign. 
this idea of just vanishing and disappearing into nothingness. I mean, I can't even imagine it. And you know what I learned from this story? I will watch any movie based on an airplane. <laughs> well, let's do this. A little bit later in the show, let's talk about that. Your favorite airplane movies. All of them. Our media criticism of this story. We're going to get to your theories. We really want you to contribute your theories because we have this lack of knowledge. Well, we want you to fill it in for us. But coming up next, let's do this. Let's. I'm going to try to blow your mind. I've got a couple of stories that I want to blow your mind. See if I can successfully do it. Canaan Cup on the Blaze Radio Network when we come back. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. generation of talk radio Kane and cup is on it's kind of like a rockabilly countryish kind of it fits us a little bit i think it does i think it fits the person i want to be <laughs> <laughs> i like a little more waylon jennings in it you know a little oh. 1970s outlaw country and i like a little more like jason aldi like current country maybe it's something in there that little that little intro music All you right. know what it sounds like bacon bacon <laughs> that's just like your adjective for good Yes, I know. Right. It is. Welcome back to Canaan Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 We're going to get back to this plain nonsense in a little bit. We've got Chris, Tobin, and Dan. We want to get to your calls in a little bit. But we're going to set the plane aside for a little while. Let's talk about a few other things. Um, coming up a little later in the, sh- the hour, we're going to talk about conservatives in movies. Why is it? Look, one of my favorite quotes ever was George Will said that uh, Roger Ailes discovered this amazing niche market in media. Half of America. <laughs> right. Um, somehow Hollywood hasn't gotten that message with putting out conservatively themed or libertarian themed or just values, movies that re- re- reflect our values very well. But there are some that have. And we want to talk about that a little bit later. Right now, I've got eight minutes, roughly seven to eight minutes to blow Essie's mind. This segment is I will blow your mind. I get three You chances. will try. You will try to blow my mind. My mind is not easily blown. And this is Will tries to blow my mind. Three stories. You can tell pit- me three stories. Three pitches. And one of them has to blow my mind. Okay. Or you failed. I'm going to save my heater for the for the third pitch. That's smart. All right, pitch number one. Okay. You didn't want to talk about basketball. I'm not necessarily going to talk about basketball, but what I'm going to tell you is this. You understand, you've heard this, right? Warren Buffett offered and did ultimately ensure a proposal that if anyone out there can fill out the perfect NCAA bracket, right, not miss one game, yeah. get every single game correctly, you will win $1 billion. Right. This is the probability, all right? I am about to share for you from 538, Nate Silver's new website. This is the probability of anyone filling out the perfect bracket. You ready? Yeah. You know what it is? Something quintillion, right? No, I'm, I'm going to put it into um, understandable, digestible analogy here. Is it, is it the same probability as a plane vanishing into thin air? It is not. Okay. It is the same probability as you or I walking out this door right now, or you at home, stepping out of your house, Mm -hmm. stepping out of your front door, and running a three-minute mile. I can't do that. No, you cannot do that. I I can't do that. Who can do that? (laughs) No one can do that. I mean, 
It hasn't been done. That's the whole point. Right. So so this isn't going to happen. And I, and as I hear, as I hear. Three minute mile. There's been weird upsets that have probably already thrown most people's brackets into chaos. Yes. Yes. Okay. Duke, number C3, already lost. John, could you run a three minute mile? Roger Bannister, he got in the three minutes. Did he get under? What, what, what's the world record in the mile? It's three and change. At yeah. Wilkane, at SE Cup. Remind me, it is Roger Bannister, I think. Is that Chariots of Fire? Roger Bannister? That is a movie before my time. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. All right, um, okay. did that work? Okay. Uh, now, uh, uh, my mind isn't blown. All right. Pitch number two. Yeah. Try again. Who has... The best teeth in the world. Now, Americans, we think we do. Oh, like what country? Yeah, like the most uh, perfect, clean, hygienic, healthy teeth. Now, we think we do. Yeah. We put fluoride in our water to ensure that we do. <laughs> yeah. Do we? Uh, uh, do we not? You have you have data that shows otherwise. Not only do we not. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead. And, I'm gonna get to the reveal on who does. Japan absolutely. Uh, oh. Visits the dentist on average three times a year. Interesting. Um, obsessive flossers. Okay. Um, clean, nice, pretty teeth, the Japanese. Okay. But this should racist? blow your mind. <laughs> okay. It's data. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be our new segment at some point. Is that racist? <laughs> um, the, this is who has better teeth than the Americans. The Brits. Lie. I know. That's a lie. But if it's true, it blows your mind. That's not true. It's true. They visit the dentist. More rarely, you're saying that's not evidence of better teeth. That's no, worth, no. I'm sorry. They visit the dentist more often, and they have fewer cavities. What? Yes. But they don't visit the orthodontist because their teeth aren't very straight. That's fair, fair, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, let me reserve judgment. What's your third pitch? All right, this is my third pitch. Now, this is going to be a little difficult for re- uh, radio for you guys. Oh, uh, good. Try that out then on our no, first show. No, no, no. Show. This is what I'm going to do. Watch this. I'm going to tweet this out to everybody right now. Check it out at Will Kane. Um, I hashtagged at Kane and Cup. You can go there, find this out. Now, I am fascinated by technology and companies. I love, if anybody watches real news, I constantly talk about Uber and Airbnb reinventing markets we didn't even know existed. Solving problems that we didn't think we had. I have one for you. Tell okay? me. We are reinventing reading. There is an app out there, and it's in a somewhat development phase. It's called Spritz. Now, the research shows that we spend 80% of our energy when we are reading, moving our eyes across the page. That sounds right. (laughs) 20% actually taking it in and comprehending the words. Okay. The literally physical movement of your eyes across a page is common during 80% of your focus energy. That is fascinating. So so what does this app do? Is doing. They flash one word at a time to you. Now, I'm going to show you something. Again, this is radio, so you can share with the audience what you see. This is 250 words per minute. Hold that right there. That's 250 words per minute flashing one word at a time to you. Okay? Wow. Welcome to spritzing. We are starting out at 250 words a minute. More, yeah, I've, it's already lost me. But All right, yeah. so the benefit is you get to read like a robot, too. No, scroll <laughs> down. Scroll down, because it's next is going to be 500 words a minute. Oh, wow. And you'll take it in. You will read it. You will understand it. And what I have there at the bottom is a thousand words a minute. Now, at a that thousand is amazing. At a thousand words a minute, Essie, you can take down Tolstoy's uh, War and Peace. You can take down a thousand page novel in ten hours. What? 
10 hours. And that's crazy. if you read this, and I'm serious, you could sit there and read that. It I'm says, reading it now. That's you, crazy. Not only will you see the words, they'll but enter you'll your take mind, it in. You will, it, it suggests, their research suggests your reading comprehension will be higher than if you read through traditional book. Okay, you blew my mind. You blew my mind with spritz. My mind is blown for sure. I mean, I'm looking at this now, and everyone should go to this. Um, What is it? Spritz? The reason I put it out on my Twitter and I hashtagged it is because it's not actually on the spritz website where I could get those three examples sitting next to each other. So go to Will's Twitter. But, I mean, you really should see this. It's... It's literally flashing, just flashing words. And you really do. You take it in. That's amazing. That's reinventing reading. Well, and I love to read. I mean, well, I mean, how many times, you know, I have a bad habit. I have a bookshelf full of books that I need to read that I plan to get to. Right. And sometimes somehow the books become your to do list and then they become yeah. you think that you've read them where they represent something about who you and are. And then they become think, furniture and they become paperweights. Yes. You could take them down so fast here. We're talking like a long movie. That's amazing. No, you did. You that blew my mind. That totally blew my mind. Um, and <clears throat> you're right. I think it's fascinating because there's so many books on my bookshelf that I'm almost positive I've read. Uh, but I don't I, 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 I probably haven't. I probably haven't, but they've become part of my life, my furniture. I tell people I've read them, and maybe I haven't. Everyone has a book like that that you've, you you tell everyone you've read. A, a book like that? <laughs> oh, wait. You know, I think you need to be honest with the audience and with me about this. You what? said, we had this conversation before the show. You said, let's confess something. Yeah. Let's confess a book that you tell everybody you've read, but you haven't. And I was shocked at what you said, because your suggestion. Well, you haven't read what you're about to tell no, us? No, no, no. I have read it. But oh. everyone, everyone says, especially in our circle, everyone says they've read Atlas Shrugged. Everyone. It is must reading for people in our life. Everyone says they've read it. I bet 90% of the people who say they've read it have not. It's a really long book. Atlas Shrugged is one of my most um, formative books in my life. I don't care if somebody on the left it. thinks that makes me sound like an eighth grader, <laughs> a ninth grader. They suggest it's junior high reading. Um, I don't I don't care. It is one of the most influential books I've ever read. I want to know if people at home say that they've read a book and actually haven't. But here's what I want to tell you Maybe about. Maybe it's War and Peace. That's a good one. I have not even pretended to read that. No, me neither. Um, I don't recommend Atlas Shrugged to people because of what you're pointing out. Uh-huh. It's a thousand pages. Uh-huh. It's pretty weighty. And I don't, I'm so disappointed when somebody says they haven't finished it that I just don't do it. I don't tell people right. to please read it. I think that's smart. <laughs> I think that's smart. Um, it's something you kind of have to discover on your own. Atlas Shrugged. You're either into it or you're not. And no one's going to, uh, no one's going to persuade you to be into it. But I want to know. I want people to call in 888-900-3393. I know you tell people you've read a book and you haven't. What's that book? I'll tell you this. I'll confess something to you right now. What? I've never seen The Godfather. And when we're in a circle of guys talking oh. about it, I never oh. admit it. Everybody says, Godfather's so great. And you're like, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. Well, this is perfect because later in the show, we're going to do something called Essie's Confessional, where I ask you to confess something, you, Will Kane, and you people at home. I ask you to confess something that might be a little embarrassing. Yours is a good one. A movie you pretend you've seen, um, but you haven't. I've got another question that's later in the show, Essie's Confessional, right now. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we want to talk about conservative movie themes. You might be surprised to learn what a conservative movie looks like and how well they do. That's next, Kane and Cup. I blew your mind. This is Kane and Cup. 
on the Blaze Radio Network. Yet one hope, the special has arisen. I know what you're thinking. He is the least qualified person to lead us. And you are right. A house divided against itself would be better than this. Abraham Lincoln. I'm not the special. I'm just a regular, normal guy. You have the ability to be the special because I believe in you. Yeah, if you have kids, or maybe if you don't have kids, you might have recognized that movie. That was the Lego movie doing pretty well at the box office and Will seems to think it has some conservative themes he'll explain that in a minute but this I think opens a really interesting uh, idea because if you're conservative you're used to hearing a lot that Hollywood's super liberal and and it is it's a liberal place that's true but conservative movies come out every weekend and they might not be overtly conservative but there are conservative themes really oh yeah I mean, most of the animated Disney movies have conservative themes. Movies about superheroes. These are conservative themes of good winning out versus evil. Mm. Um, a lot of movies you see show the the goodness of family. Look, you, I think, I think you're stretching. No, um, no. Good versus evil uh, is somewhat universal. It's how you define good and evil. And when I see some of the superhero movies, for example, the evil is always the business guy, the guy seeking profit. The bad guy is the guy running the business. He must be not, taken down because he artificially always. created the superhero. I don't know. Not always. Um, remember uh, a couple years ago when when the first Batman movie, the first new Batman movie came out, um, there was a lot of talk about how it was very conservatively themed. Um, and, and that happens. But I think Hollywood is so uncomfortable with conservatism that they don't even realize when conservatism is happening, and they definitely shy away from overt conservatism. I remember um, a couple years ago, everyone remembers when Passion of the Christ came out, and I I wrote about this because it was such an interest. In the same year, you had two movies come out that were polar opposite, and the media handled them totally differently. Before Passion of the Christ, which was Mel Gibson's movie about Jesus, the media was convinced this would be a bomb because it was so overtly Christian. And the country, 80% Christian, by the way, would not be able to handle it, would be uncomfortable by it. The same year, Philip Pullman's The Golden Compass. Philip Pullman is a famous atheist, and The Golden Compass is one of his atheist novels. Mm-hmm. The media was certain Success. this movie was going to be massive. Right. Um, Passion of the Christ was the best-selling movie of the year. And continues to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time. And Philip Pullman's The Golden Compass was the second least <laughs> grossing movie of the year. All right. And bombed. Hollywood Here, will never understand. Right. Well, but see, but okay, you're right. And I can't believe it's one of the few areas where the profit motive apparently isn't enough to drive people forward. It's igno- For and, example, and they ignore the profit. Why haven't yeah. there been Dozens of Christian-themed movies following The Passion of Christ, which made hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, you could say to me, well, this year, there are. This year, there are beginning to be. There is Son of God. There is Noah. Noah, yeah. But take Noah, for example. Apparently, Noah 
is not, um, and I don't know, I haven't seen it, but not reflective necessarily of the Christian story or the Christian values. It's receiving a ton of criticism. So what is it that even when Hollywood attempts to venture into this realm, which should make them a nice, tidy profit, they mess it up. They get it wrong. They mess it up. They fundamentally don't understand the values of most of the people in this country. They really believe that everyone thinks like they do in L.A. or New York City. So look, it's, and I like how you said values, because to me, you sh- it's not even about attaching the concept of conservatism to it, or right. especially overt conservatism. It's not talking about libertarianism. It's not political. That's the point in the end. Mm-hmm. It's about a value system. And I think you're right. Children's movies are a last bastion. Um, and they do really well. Lego movies. I, you said it. It's about individuality. It's about living in a society that is not so overruled, overregulated, overorganized. It's about being yourself. Mm. And I think the greatest value system that reflects my conservative libertarian world that ever came out is The Incredibles. Mm. And we have. I love that movie. We have uh, the announcement that now we're going to get The Incredibles 2. Oh, awesome. Well, I loved that movie. And, and yeah, I think, I think Hollywood needs to remember. That families go to watch family movies. That's why family movies do really well. Okay, after this break, I want to hear your crazy plane theories. I know you've got one. Call in 888-900-3393. Kane and Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I am Essie Cup. You might know me from Real News or CNN's Crossfire. What, you Will just Kane. shook your head. What does that mean? Because I'm basically going to say the same thing. Like, I'm Will Kane, <laughs> and you know me from Real News and CNN. Well, yeah, that's who we are. Uh, this is our new radio show. We're starting hour two. We hope you stick around because we've got another one after this. And uh, we're real excited to be spending. Saturday mornings with you guys, um, really just a pleasure for us, and uh, that's why we want you to, to call in and and chat with us. It's 888-900-3393. Before the break, we asked you to call in with your best conspiracy theories about where this missing plane is. We don't want to spend too much time talking about the plane, but-, but- <laughs> If you're going to remember in the last hour, we talked about the reason this story has captivated people is because you fill in gaps of knowledge where you don't have them. That's just what we do psychologically. So if you're going to do that, and I don't know where this damn plane is, you might as well swing for the fences. Yes. And people have. Let me just let me just tell you some of the the best or worst (laughs) conspiracy theories out there. Um, One is the plane never crashed. It's actually just invisible. How? Because cloaking devices that sort of like hide it from radar make the plane impossible to see. So we got like a Harry Potter invisible coat on? Yes, 100%. Another conspiracy theory, it shadowed another plane and thereby um, avoided radar detection. Not completely crazy. Whatever. Whatever. There's a spectrum here and the spectrum is wide. Uh, Another conspiracy theory, it's been at a U.S. Navy base the whole time. Why didn't anyone look at the Diego Garcia naval base in the Chagos Archipelago? Sure. Of course. Uh, Another one, it was shot down by a hostile country that is not 
the United States. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, I want to hear from you. We have a caller named Roland. Yeah, I wonder who this could be. From Washington, D.C. That has a particular theory. If this is not who I think this is on the phone, I'm going to be... I think it's who you think it is. I'm going to be a little shocked. Roland, what's your theory? My theory is that Jeff Zucker is behind this whole deal. I know that voice. Let's just put a pin on that for a second. Yes, let's put a pin on that. I recognize that that voice as well. Is this Roland Ascot Martin? Yes, it is. The new CEN, worldwide CEO... Uh, concocted this plan, worked it out with the pilot, uh, and this plan is safe and secure, but it's, but it's going to stay missing for the next 18 months. I love <laughs> <laughs> It's going to stay missing through the presidential election. Now, now, Roland, Roland, I'm out of job. Roland Martin, <laughs> Roland Martin, former CNN contributor, uh, host of Washington Watch. Um, no, 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 that's my old show. Now I'm on five days a week, News One Now with Roland Martin. News five One Now with now. Roland Martin. What time, okay. Roland? Plug your show. 9 a.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Eastern. On TV One. Your theory is that the president of CNN Worldwide, Jeff Zucker, is hiding this plane because it has been a ratings boon for CNN. A bonanza. And unfortunately, we don't get to see uh, uh, SC Now with Crossfire because it's all Malaysian news network. Uh, That's but, right, uh, buddy. Look, I think it's be- I think it's better than the zombie plane and the uh, and the black hole theory. You know what, Roland? <laughs> no theories are too crazy for Kane and Cup, and we appreciate we appreciate your theory. I hope you're wrong because otherwise, I'm out of job for 18 months. For 18 months, <laughs> I got to call in. All right, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Roland. We love you for calling, Roland. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Barbara in Ohio. Barbara, what's your theory? The last words of the co-pilot were, all right, good night. That's the dialogue from the movie Independence Day, when right before Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith put the nuclear bomb into the mothership. Wow, Barbara, you just blew my mind. But wait, Barbara, let me fully understand what we're talking about here. So we're talking about... A nuclear device. Absolutely. For what purpose, Barbara? To fly to the United States, since this is the longest flying range plane, domestic, that can fly to America and nuke New York City, the World Trade Center, in order to avenge Osama bin Laden's death, which happened on May the 2nd. And they're loading it for bear right now. Right. Barbara, how did you come up with, how did you put the Independence Day quote together with this? How did you come up with that? I was just watching the movie, and, and I heard that, all right, good night. Barbara, and, that's amazing. Uh, that that really, I mean, that's, I almost have chills. I'm going to tell you something, Barbara. <laughs> you just took Roland Martin, and you bumped him off of the pedestal as number one theory that called in today. Now, yeah, thanks, Barbara. I don't know if you're going to retain that title. Let's go to Clint in Grand Rapids. Clint, what's your theory? So far. Say my, it again? My theory, I love your show so far. Thank you, Clint. <laughs> hey, my theory is this. This is uh, Jimmy Carter revisited. That they are, they are in such good control at the White House of disinformation that they want to find out whether or not these people get brought back because they do not want another hostage situation to ruin a presidency for a Democrat just like Jimmy Carter had happened. Wait, so break it down for me. Where is the plane and where are the people? I think they know where it is. 
and I don't know where they where it is. Um, but you think this, that the White House knows where the plane is yeah, and they know where the people yeah. is uh, the people are, but they don't want this to turn into an Iran hostage crisis. Exactly. That is what ruined Jimmy <laughs> Carter's legacy, and that's what the second second um, term of every president is. It's all about legacy. And this president is going down. He How is, is he? Just, just, just uh, spitballing here, Clint. Uh, I don't want to poke too many holes. How, 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 how is he getting? How is the White House getting the Malaysian government, the Chinese government, and, and I assume wherever the plane is, wherever it landed, their government to participate? Though I don't know if they are participating. Look at the disinformation that's come out so far. China came out with uh, floating objects a couple of days after the plane went down. Then all of a sudden, no, there was no oil slick. Now there's a whole different set of debris, supposedly. The, the photograph was altered, the photograph of the two people that were flying on the plane, you know, just with stolen passports coincidentally at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think there's so much control being exerted by somebody here, and they just do not want anybody to know where this plane is all right. until after they figure out whether or not they get the people back. All right, we are Clint. not being told the truth by anybody on anything in this administration. All right, man. Thanks for calling in. Really appreciate you listening, Clint. Tobin in Ohio. You've been hanging out for a while, Tobin. What do you got? I actually just think it's all about a mystery. I mean, in today's society about science and technology, no, there is no real great mysteries anymore. This oh, and you is, think that's why we're, we're so captivated by this story? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. This is like Amelia Earhart level. Right. Gone. Nothing. And, and, it, and, and of course, I mean, most of these people weren't like Amelia Earhart, but everybody's watching it in that respect. No, I think, but, I think you're right. And I thought about Amelia Earhart as well because that was so long ago, and we still, we still don't know where that plane is. We don't know where she went. And you think, gosh, with all of our technology today, something like that could never happen. And maybe it's happening all over again. I, 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 by the way, I want to say I love the show, love the concept. Oh, thanks, Tobin. We appreciate it. And thanks for calling in. Thanks for calling in. I want to go to Kim in Pennsylvania, uh, who has a, a theory about where this plane is. Kim, go ahead. Hi, Dave. Great show. Thanks. Congratulations. I actually think that we're taking our eyes off the off the real thing um i think that this shiny ball this plane is is hiding what's really happening which is that there's a terrorist attack planned and that it's taking our eyes off of what's going to be a potential terrorist attack well i i agree with you kim on this note that and we were we have been uh Teasing ahead, that we're going to do a little media criticism on this story and whether or not it de- deserves the attention it's been getting and whether or not it is a diversion. Um, there are many stories out there. Uh, Ukraine, for example, that uh, Eastern Ukraine could be invaded today by Vladimir Putin. Um, that deserve attention that this story is absorbing all of the oxygen that Everything. could be going to a lot of places. However, I, I don't know about a planned terrorist attack. I don't. I mean, there's so many. There's so many theories out there. Someone will be vindicated. One, like someone's theory, will be vindicated if we if we ever get to the bottom of this. And maybe, maybe it is aliens, or it could just be a, a huge diversion 
that is setting off yeah. a plan that's going to take this into something that we have no idea. Right. All right, Kim. Well, thanks for calling in, Appreciate Kim. it. Listen, we need to go to break, but real quick, Chris, you've been hanging out. Just tell us real quick, what is your what are your thoughts? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. Good. So, love the show so far. Congratulations. Love thanks. you guys on Real News. So, good that you have a radio show. Thanks. What's your theory? <clears throat> Well, um, I actually wanted to talk about the theory and why it's so captivating. Sure, go ahead. Tell us. So I agree with Tobin um, that this is really all a all a matter of the public um, loving mysteries. I mean, this is the kind mm-hmm. of stuff that James Patterson books and similar books are made of. So, like, if you're reading... A mystery. What makes you turn the pages? It's that suspense. It's yeah, that, we do love suspense. Yeah, right. So it's that idea. You know, you know we want to get to the bottom of it. And here we have a mystery in real life that's being drawn out, and we just are so drawn to it. Now, my th- that being said, um, I think it also has to do with our fear of um, planes. I mean, yeah, I. I um, from my perspective, at least, um, I'm actually blind. So, like, when they talk about at the beginning of the, uh, when, before we take off, when they're talking about where the exit rows are, it's like uh, I always ask, okay, where, how far sure, back is yeah. this exit row? And yeah, so you have an added, you have maybe an added level of fear than other people yeah, have. Well, kind of, but yeah. I, I just have this moment where I'm like. Oh crap! If something happens, am I going to remember where this thing is wow. and whatever? So well, thanks um, for calling in, Chris. We really we we appreciate we appreciate you calling in and, and sharing that with yes. us. That's sorry to cut you off. We got to run to break. We interesting. Gotta, we'll, we'll keep taking calls. Keep calling in. One eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three. Tweet us at Will Kane and at Se Cup. Hashtag Kane and Cup. We'll keep talking about this when we come back. Se wants to talk about. Beards, and I want to talk about Stand with Grayson and the value of nonconformity after the break. Kane and Cup. This is Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I'm Will Kane along with Essie Cup. Essie, I know one of your favorite television shows. I know you're not one of. I know your favorite television show. What is it? Period. What? Period. What? Your favorite television show, period. Oh, is, is, is Duck Dynasty. No, Seinfeld. Oh, oh, Seinfeld too. You sure. watch it every syndicated rerun on every I watch it every day. cable channel. You catch it. One time, Remind- one one time. Remember, you tried to stump me. Yes, we'll bring that. Can't back. be done. It cannot be done. If you think you can stump me on Seinfeld trivia, it can't be done. I just threw down the gauntlet. <laughs> we will have to come back to that. Do you remember? <laughs> actually, this will be an uh, opportunity to tease that. Um, what is the rule on Seinfeld when George? What does it mean when George hit the streets with sweatpants on? Oh, I mean, he had he uh, surrendered. He'd given up. He'd given up. Given up on life. Yeah, he just, if he could walk around ensconced in velvet for the rest of his life, he would. Then he's announcing to the world, I quit. I've given up. <laughs> I've given up. That could be false. Seinfeld could be false. 
According to a new study by the Harvard Business School, published in the Wall Street Journal this week, it talks about the value of nonconformity. It talks about the human beings. We are wired to be part of a group, to borrow on the group's collective identity, sure. to borrow on the trust that comes with being a part of that collective identity. However, if people take the risk and stand out and risk nonconformity, they actually get things like competency, uh, higher status awarded to them. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'll give you two examples. Okay. One, when a, a professor went before students um, and he was not wearing the tweed jacket and the earth tone tie and the mm -hmm. khaki pants, but rather the professor was wearing a t-shirt and a false beard and was looking very hipsterish. Yes. The students assigned greater intelligence, greater competency to that professor. They were mm -hmm. more willing to listen, assumed He's a better professor. Why? Because he's not conforming to the image of what I expect of a professor. And he has the confidence to that go is, out and look like that. That is key, by the way. Okay. If it's assumed your nonconformity is accidental, if mm. you wear mm. um, no tie and just a sport coat to a black tie function, to a tuxedo mm -hmm. function, and it's like you didn't get the memo, you don't get this benefit. But if you mean it. Right. If you're confident, right. if it's intended. Like if you're Pharrell and you wear shorts to the Oscars. You wear a shorts tuxedo to the Oscars. Pharrell is cool. You're Pharrell is a nonconformist. People think, I happen to agree, that Pharrell is incredibly smart and interesting and creative. Even though he wasn't dressed like he was supposed to be dressed, people thought he was a trendsetter. Yeah, um... And I know this sounds somewhat intuitive, right? You're like, yeah, I, I get it. But yeah. this is a study that actually uh, surveyed people in real world scenarios. For example, so going back directly to the Seinfeld example, mm -hmm. if you, S.E. Cuff, walked down Fifth Avenue and walked into the Louis Vuitton store wearing sweatpants, into the luxury store wearing sweatpants, mm -hmm. the sales staff would assume you're wealthy. You know what you're doing. Right. You're here to buy. Right. Right, which is counterintuitive, right? Right. Because if you remember another pop culture reference, Pretty Woman, she walks in to the store on Rodeo Drive looking like a prostitute, and they take one look at her and they say, she's not one of our customers. She must be lost. And then, of course, she comes back in, look, you know, dressed to the nines, and they want her business, and she doesn't give it. So it's counterintuitive to think that not conforming sometimes... Sets you apart in a good way. Sets you apart with higher status. Now, I want to transition with this concept of valuing nonconformity to revisit a story that was big. It was big here on The Blaze this week. And it was about, it was hashtagged on Twitter. It was in the social media. Glenn talked a lot about it. Glenn talked a yeah. lot about this, about yeah. Grayson. I stand with Grayson. Stand with Grayson. And Grayson was a nine-year-old boy who was essentially, okay, Grayson's a brony. Does everyone know what a brony is? Do you know what a brony is? I know what a brony is? is, yeah. I mean, usually they're adults. Um... They're adults who are into adult men who are into My Little Ponies. That's right. So there, there's a documentary out there on bronies. You can go look it up. Bronies are into the new version of My Little Pony television show. And it's real. These are grown men who are into My Little Ponies, and they call themselves bronies. Call themselves bronies. They love the theme of the show, which is friendship is magic. They see something special in it. They talk about in the documentary. This, this should be a whole other segment. They're not, uh, they're not homosexual. They're not. Um, In case you were wondering, 
They're just into My Little Ponies. That's their thing. Now, Grayson was into My Little Ponies, and he wore a My Little Pony backpack to school, and he got picked on. He got picked on by the other kids. He got bullied. He got beat up. And the school eventually asked Grayson to stop bringing his My Little Pony backpack. Yeah, stop wearing the backpack. They did, in the end, put the impetus on him. What I want to tell you is this. This is where the nonconformity ends for me. I say Grayson. I don't know that I would have stood with Grayson in the sense that it hit the social media. I would have taken up for Grayson if he was right in front of me. If this bullying is going on right there, I say, you little a yeah, cut better it out. stop this. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not going to hashtag for Grayson because here's why. If you want to <laughs> be a nonconformist, you got to learn to stand up for yourself. The hashtag, the social media meme, won't be there a year from now. But you will be, and assume your interest in My Little Ponies will be, so you better learn to stand up for yourself. Wow, that's some tough love for Grayson. All right. That's where we're going to have to leave it there. That is, uh, that is in the next hour, in the next half hour, we're going to revisit the plane. What else are we going to talk about, Essie? Uh, beards. 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 You know- I, and actually, I, I want some calls. I want some calls. If you are interested in the evolution of the beard like I am, I want you to call in and tell me why beards are so gosh darn popular right now. And I want your theories, by the way, on nonconformity. You hear a difference of opinion somewhat between me and many other people here. Mm. Tell me your opinion. Am I wrong? 888 900 This is Kane and Cup, part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I'm S.E. Cup. And I'm Will Kane. Um, you know, you were talking about the Grayson story, and I know Glenn talked a lot about it. So I'm I'm wondering if um, our listeners have opinions, because I think it's, it's sort of controversial. You saying maybe Grayson needs to stand up for himself or leave the backpack at home. It's tough love. It's what I would I, tell my son. I, yeah, no, I think it's really interesting. I, I'm wondering what people um, joining us think. If you want to call in and and give your opinion of the Grayson story, I'd love to hear it because I I think I agree with you, but it's tough to say to a kid, stand up for yourself. I mean, I I agree, but life I mean, is tough. It's it's tough. It's tough love. Eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three. Call in and here's the question. Tell me what you think of the here's Grayson the question, story. and then we'll, we'll move on. Is Actually, are we doing a service or a disservice to Grayson by standing up for him? Now, yeah. certainly in the moment, you want to protect someone. Right. But in the long run, are we doing a service or a disservice by standing with Grayson? Because Grayson's going to have to stand for himself. Well, my, And my feeling is, is the My Little Pony backpack a, a hugely important part of this young person's identity? Probably not. It's probably something he picked out at the store, um, or maybe even his mom picked it out. And now it's become a symbol of something. Right. I don't think Grayson, how old is he, 10? Nine. Nine? Is emotionally and psychologically attached to this backpack in a way that making him walk back in with it on is going to change the rest of his life. This is not his identity. No, but I don't begrudge the little man his choice. If he wants I don't that, either. take it, my man. Carry that backpack. And then you show those people 
why you're strong enough to carry that backpack. I think I think that's right. I think that's absolutely right. I I, I want to know what people people at home think though, because I think some people might disagree with you. Eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three. I want to move on though for the moment to something that I think has become a culturally important and symbolic artifact. It is the new cultural artifact of the millennium. It's the beard. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, I mean, look anywhere, look around you. Yeah, my my husband, <laughs> my husband is in the other room watching, watching us, and uh, he is bearded, and he was reading a book, and he just heard me say beard, and he looks up. His eyes peer up over his book. <laughs> huh? Beard. His ears perk up. Beard. Um, look anywhere, these days, you will see a bearded man. You will see an interestingly bearded man. Um, whether it's Duck Dynasty, uh, you, you see members of Congress sporting beards now. Jay Carney, White House spokesperson, had a beard. Um, something that used to be considered kind of unprofessional has now become completely acceptable. I can't think of many walks of life where a beard would be unacceptable. Look, now. I had a beard. I've had a beard off and on for you the last several years. Oh, you tried to have a beard. You tried to have a beard. We're not going to. Oh. You tried to have yeah, a beard. Yeah, that's right. I see mouths agape in the production room. I had a beard. Legit beard. Sort of. Enough that some media organizations told me I shouldn't have a beard. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I, I think pictures of your sort of beard probably exist on the internet. If you want to look up Will Kane's sort of beard, I think you should. <laughs> I think you should. But um, no, me. I mean, remember when John Hamm, Mad Men, started rocking a very thick beard? Everyone noticed and talked about. It. It's 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 more. Yeah, he had than, like a chia beard. Yes, that's right. It was very thick. It's become this sign of masculinity. I think, it, and it's gone through evolutions. There was a hipster beard for a while, and hipster facial hair, hipster mustaches. But now the beard is practically mainstreamed. It is completely mainstreamed. You can beard in Hollywood. You can beard in Washington. It's a, it's a verb. <laughs> I just made it a verb. You can beard anywhere. And here's where bacon comes in. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Naturally. Remember, um, not remember, I guess, but do, do you agree that bacon has taken on cultural significance? As a conservative, maybe you don't feel this way, but I certainly feel like um, there is an impulse to love bacon. Well, I, I don't know that it's limited to conservatism. I mean, you know that when you eat bacon, like scientifically, it's science, uh, You things are released in your brain. Things are released in your brain? Serotonin is released in your brain. Like Bacon literally has a chemical understood. effect understood. It's that great. people like. Yes, understood. However, Not just it you. also... No, <laughs> Not just me. It's also sort of a screw you. I mean, to me, to me, um, as someone who likes to eat meat and likes to hunt and likes to fish, it is almost a part of my identity. It is a screw you to the vegetarians. Mm. It's a screw you to PETA. It's a screw you to the health nuts and the nanny state, Michelle Obama, Michael Bloomberg, here's what you have to eat. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a cultural and political screw you. Um, I think the beard might be evolving in a similar way to bacon. Not not politically necessarily, 
but as a it's becoming a cultural symbol of something. Of something. <laughs> of some, uh, well, what I, that is. No, if you have up. a beard, I want you to call in and tell me what it is. I mean, if you have a beard, you can go online and you will find any right. number of websites talking up the I'm gonna, virility of someone's beard. Yeah, I'm going to answer these questions for you, okay? You don't know. You've never really had a beard. Oh, this is... I, I'm walking off this <laughs> damn show. <laughs> So no, proud I want of pe- my beard. I Let want me- people to call in 888-900-3393. You have a beard. Tell me why it's important to you. Okay. Now I'm going to answer, but please still call in. Um, what it seems to be is escaping SE about beards. And some of it, it would escape you. I mean, um, first of all, you said Because I'm a woman? Yes. Because you're a woman. Sexist. Data. <laughs> um, it's Science. a sign of virility. It is. It is masculinity. You feel more masculine when you have a beard. Sure. It's science. Um, <laughs> the other thing is this. It masks imperfections, and that's what you wouldn't know. I mean, that's what men won't talk about. The truth mm. is beards create jawlines. Beards mm. cr- give you a strong chin. And whether or not men actually say this stuff out loud, there is vanity. There is insecurity. And I don't care who denies it. That's what you're doing. I think, I you're think, you're no. liking that chin. You're liking that, sh- that I think that's. I think shape. That, that's all probably right. And that's maybe a personal reason why someone has a beard. But why has the beard become such a culturally important artifact today? Um, I have a couple theories. Oh, by all means. <laughs> Answer my own question. No, I have a couple theories. Um, you know, a few years ago, shows like Survivor Man, um, shows like Bear Grylls, mm-hmm. uh, the Bear Grylls show, Survivor Man, outdoor stuff became huge. The idea, maybe it started with Survivor. The idea of, you know, a, a man going out into the wild and being able to fend for himself became something that everyone wanted to watch on television. It filled up Discovery Channel's programming. It filled up A&E. I loved it. I tuned in. From there, you had um, sort of the evolution into hunting, Duck Dynasty shows, fishing shows. Those used to be things you watched on Sunday morning with your dad, and that's it, like bass fishing or or whitetail hunting. Now you can watch hunting, fishing, outdoor shows in prime time. Yeah. All right. Look. That's part of it. If I may. Yes. And we're going to have to go to break in just a second. But look, I I grew up in a small town in Texas. I was surrounded by hunting and fishing culture, weekend warriors, which meant only driving like five miles out of town. (laughs) Um, All of that. And the beards were not ubiquitous. Beards Uh were spotty at best. right? And now beards are represented in youth culture as much as it is on my father's generation. My father rocked the stash. All right. Mm. That's what that generation did. Mm. They wore the stash. The mustache. Stash is tricky today. It's tricky, but the hipsters are moving in that direction. That's my point. The hipsters are largely part of the popularization of the beard, which is one of the reasons uh-huh. I'm reluctant to go back to my beard. I objectively like it. There's no going back to your beard because it wasn't really a beard. But This is going to get violent soon. No, but uh, now- What's that, John? I'm sorry, John? What's that? Uh, there's pictures. Grow it right now. <laughs> Grow this beard right now by the end of our show, and maybe then, maybe then I'll believe you. But I think the stash now- The stash is different. If you're rocking a stash, you are one of three things. You're a hipster, Mm -hmm. you're a cop, Mm -hmm. or you're a pedophile. Or you're 55 to 65 plus. 
<laughs> Stash is tough. Beard, I don't know. Are you a hipster? Are you a congressman? Are you a doctor? Are you a lawyer? Mm-hmm. I can't tell. The beard doesn't tell me. It's a lot about how you trim it as well. I don't know what your husband's doing over there with his goatee. You don't have anything to but trim. Trimmed sides of his beard. I don't, that I don't know. I don't know. No, like, John. John falls into the category you suggested of sculpting a jawline. I mean, John's my husband's very robust beard. John has sculpted a jawline with that thing. All right, we got to leave it there. We're going to take a break. We want you to join us. One eight eight nine hundred three three nine three. Call in if you think Essie's uh, beard theories are accurate. <laughs> If I can grow a beard, you guys all know I can. No, Please you stand can. up for me. Um, <laughs> Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network when we come back. Will Kane and Desi Cup. We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Kane and SE Cup return. You are there for me, Twitter. You're there for me, hashtag Kane and Cup. Look at this. Rocky with an I. Kim Gamble. Chad E. Dotson. All there. Will had a beard. A real manly beard. Someone also said, you know Will Kane's hashtag sorta beard <laughs> is way better than Jay Carney's hashtag lack of beard. Uh, believe it or not, you people want to talk about beards. The phones have lit up. I'm on not surprised. Beards, um, beards are big. <laughs> Hey, listen, coming up in the next hour, we're going to return to the plane, but not in the way you think. And the half of you out there really want to talk about the planes and the, and the plane. And the other half are like, why are we talking about the plane? Yeah, it's like we can't win. We cannot win with this. But I have an angle that I really think it sets my endorphins, my curiosity off. I mean, oh. this is my bottom of the rabbit hole of the internet, Wikipedia, link after link aspect to this plane story. I find it fascinating. We'll what does share it that do with to you. your endorphins? Yeah, my, my brain lights up. You know, like there was a map of my brain hotspots. That felt personal. Um, that's in the next hour, but in the next couple minutes, let's talk to you. Let's hear what you have to say about a beard. How about Our Dave phones in- are lighting up over the beards. How about Dave in Virginia? Dave. All right, so this might be a little far-fetched, but um, essentially there's this myth. It's called Iron John, and uh, it was put in book formation by this Jungian analyst named Bly, I believe. Well, it's about a burly, hairy guy, and the, the thought was that they used the myth of Iron John to help boys psychologically make the, I guess you could say, the, the pathway to manhood. So it's so, a way of saying I'm a man. It, that's, you know, I, it, it, best case form. I'm a man, I eat bacon, you know? <laughs> yes! <laughs> because yes. boys can't grow beards. Right. Yeah, you know? Um, right. I, Neither can Will. Another thought that just popped in my head, there was a, there was a old... Uh, Gosh, he was an NWA wrestler. His name was Magnum T.A. Do you guys remember him? No. No, but ears are perked up. (laughs) He he crashed in his car, and as he laid there paralyzed in the hospital, he said the only thing that he could do or that he felt that he could do uh, was grow a beard. Oh, that's awesome. As he is exasperated, she's like, oh, my God, this is a terrible story. But what she doesn't know that you and I, Dave, know is that every wrestling story ends in some kind of tragic accident. From the Von Erichs to Chris, what's his name, right? Yeah. Uh, Every story in wrestling What's ends tragically. Wow. No, but that's amazing that the only thing he thought he could do was grow a beard. I love that. All right, let's go to Diana in Texas. What's your take Hi. on the beard? Well, on the beard, I like beards. Yeah. I like them well-groomed. Pro beard. Uh, in in Texas, 
I don't understand having one in the summertime, mm. but being around a lot of hunters down here, when they go hunting in the winter, they like to have a beard, and I think it looks good. Uh, this stuff that some of the younger guys are doing where it looks like they haven't shaved in a couple of days. Right. And they come to pick you up in the, for a date. I, that just doesn't, I don't, doesn't do it for me. At least. So you wouldn't date someone with like a Will Kane sort of beard? <laughs> I would date Will. Ah! <laughs> Diana is all or nothing. That's what she's saying. You're all or nothing on the beard. Don't come well, in here with no, that Miami Vice style. That, you know, the little tufts that you get when you first start growing a beard and all that kind of stuff, I think that'll wait just a little bit longer. That- but on the little boy with the backpack? Yeah. I think that could have been a. I think, Will, you're right. I think he's going to have to be tough. This world isn't going to just roll over for everything you want to do. Yeah, you're talking about Grayson and the My Little Pony backpack. Yeah. Hmm. But the other thing. Do you have kids, Diana? uh, What? Do you have kids? Yeah, yeah. And grandkids, yes. Hmm. But the thing is, uh, I think it could have been a real teaching moment for the adults to uh, maybe not point him out and say, now, guys, y'all have got to let him do his thing. But I think the adults could have handled it just a little better. Yeah. I yeah. think they could have had some sort of a program that talked about, uh, you know, how much fun it is. Everybody's different and everybody has different talents. Right. Mm. They could have done some things. Um, it it was an, absolutely a teaching moment, Diana. That's what this yeah. was. And I don't know that they found the teaching moment. Before we let you go, Diana, real quick, that accent makes me miss home. Where are you from in Texas? <laughs> well, originally Dallas, but I'm in Gulfway, Texas right now, in the country. Gulfway, all right. Thanks for calling Thanks in, for calling Diana. In. Can we get Doug quickly in? Doug has a Doug has a beard comment for us. Doug? See, I got to say, I'm sorry. I agree with Will Kane. The beard is, uh, for me, I always call it the separation of chin and neck. There it is. Mm, yes. I need it to, I need it, otherwise I lose my chin. <laughs> I love and it. And then you have to ask yourself the hard question, Doug. Do you fade it out or do you go with the hard line? I love it. All these guys are calling in and admitting, confessing to why they rock a beard. I love it. All right, Jeff in California. Sorry we didn't get to you, but we're going to be back on Canaan Cup after the break. 1-888-900-3393. We're going to revisit the plane. I got a theory for you. It's a good one. We'll Listen, see. we'll, we'll see. be back. Canaan Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cobb. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Will Kane, S.E. Cobb, R. Kane and Cup. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, that was a little hip hop. Kane and Cup. I'm Will Kane. I'm Essie Cup. We were both, we are both, co hosts of Real News and CNN contributors. Essie is the host of Crossfire on CNN. And we hang out with you now for three hours every Saturday morning from 9 to noon Eastern. Kane and Cup. On the Blaze Radio Network, we've been talking about a lot of things this morning. We've covered the plane, the Malaysian plane disappearance. We've indulged some conspiracy theories, many of yours. Um, We've talked about beards. We have talked about nonconformity. Stand with Grayson. What I want to do now, Essie, if you will indulge me, I want to tell you why the Malaysian plane story eventually appealed to me. Because I didn't jump on this story right away. Uh Uh-huh. Didn't do it for me. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you're not into aviation. I like that somebody tweeted us, apparently, neither was MH370. <laughs> oh, God. Um, here's what the, the window into the story became for me. There was a theory about a week ago that the plane either hijacked or taken over by the pilots, landed 
in the Andaman Islands. Now I remember or, that. Yeah, so it was originally brief. it was brief, but it, right as the theories have gone in this in yeah. this search. Yeah, you know, originally the plane took off from Kuala Lumpur and went into the Sea of Thailand, and that's where the last known contact was, and then took a hard left and headed over to the Andaman Sea, which is right next to the Indian Ocean. It's in the Indian Ocean, far, far eastern side of the Indian Ocean. And what country right, is this? Are these islands a part of? They are affiliated. They're administered by. India, but they're, I think they are 2,000 miles from the Indian coast. And this gets me to what's fascinating about this story for me, is the Andaman Islands. I am forwarding to you that the plane was actually, actually went through time travel, found the space-time continuum, and went back in time. Are you serious? Here's how I tell you this, okay? I know you know, this is crazy, like, come on, Will, what are you, no, no, stay with me. Um, Now, One of my favorite books is The Rational Optimist by Matt Ridley, and he forwards in this book that the major driver of human evolution, of human progress, has been free trade. Whenever human beings can interact with one another and trade one good for another, specialization, I make seashells, you make string, we make a necklace together through this trade, and on and on to modern times, that is how we have evolved. And he points to societies that have not only stopped progressing, but have regressed, which is fascinating to think about. Lost technology. Mm -hmm. One generation knows how to make a bow and arrow. The next generation doesn't. And obviously, standard of living goes down, right? Mm -hmm. For example, this happened in Tasmania, off the southern coast of Australia. Mm -hmm. That society actually went backwards. Fascinating, the concept. Okay. Because we take it for granted, right? Progress, yeah. I had a radio. My parents had a radio. I have an iPhone. My kids will have something else. We take for granted that that will happen. Ridley says the way it happens is free trade, and the way you regress is isolation. Uh Uh-huh. Now, in this book, we commonly think that first man walked out of Africa, right, and just kind of went across Asia and made his way to Europe. That was kind of the common conception. So if you DNA charted oldest human beings, it would go from Africa into Asia, eventually up into Europe. But what, we, what he found and what scientists have found is that people, for example, in Australia, in southern Asia, like Thailand, have older DNA genetic markers than people you would find in northern China. Hmm. They have been around longer, their ancestors. Why is that? Because people followed trade routes along the southern Asian coast. They went from Africa down through the coast there in Iran and uh, in India and, and made their way into Southeast Asia. But one of these early peoples took canoes out to the Andaman Islands. And that society, which, by the way, they are almost directly connected to those people that walked out of Africa. Mm-hmm. Ethnically, DNA genetic markings. Those people have remained isolated, Mm -hmm. basically isolated for thousands and thousands of years. And some of these islands, I see, and there are uh, hundreds of Andaman Islands, um, some of the tribes completely isolated. For example, one called the Sintalese. These people are going, they are, they they represent time travel. When human beings, when civilization has attempted to reach the Sintalese people, they have been met with an arrow tip. Uh Uh Literally in 2006, Two fishermen got drunk while fishing. Their boat floated too close to the island the Sintalese were on. They were shot and killed by the Sintalese. Mm. Like, you do not come here. Look up on the internet right now. If you're a listener, go. Google Sintalese. Look at the pictures. The only pictures you'll see are pictures of these dudes running out on the beach, shooting a bow and arrow up yeah. at helicopters, taking the picture. Yeah. They have remained isolated. So, so I take that. Yeah. This is my nail in the coffin because I truly don't think there was a time warp. Imagine, and this got fascinating to me, imagine a Boeing 777 uh-huh. airliner right. 
crash landing into that world. Right. One minute, you're a Sintelese dude that saw some remnants of civilization, civilization every once in a while and you killed it. And the next, <laughs> there are 239 people and I have Boeing 777 well crashing dressed. through right. your palm trees. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think it's fascinating. That would be, that would be yeah, amazing for them. Scary for the people on the plane who have just survived what they think is the, is the worst possible scenario. And yet then they have to walk out of this plane to meet these people. Son of a- going to kill them. Like we just survived a plane crash, and now you want to kill me with a rock, right? What? Yeah, no. I mean that is that is amazing. Did you know all of that about this area of the world, or did the plane spark your interest, and then you tried to find the end of the internet? I knew that from reading that book, from reading the Rational okay, Optimist. Okay. Again, I think it's one of the best books that you can put your hands on out there. Um, and I got fascinated with that concept mm -hmm. of, you know, the unknown, exploring the unknown. That, you know, as one of our callers mentioned earlier, when it comes to the plane, there are very few mysteries left in life. There's also yeah. very few things left to explore. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. there's no, there's no, um, there's no Christopher Columbus gonna. That's right. Uh, so you have these remote regions uh, of the world, whether or not they're in the Amazon yeah. or the Aboriginal tribes of Middle Australia or these islands that are isolated, where you can kind of still think these are unexplored worlds. And I just found it fascinating. So it led to one link after another link, and then I see this story where this plane could have been hijacked and landed there or crash landed into that world. Well, I have a, a news update. I use that term lightly. News update. Um, nothing found Saturday in area where Chinese satellite spotted floating objects. Oh this is a, a Blaze Radio exclusive? Uh, well, I got it as a breaking news update from, C from CNN. At this point, breaking news means the same thing as exclusive. So, yes, you just received a uh, cane and cup. Breaking news. Exclusive. Nothing found. Exclusive. Nothing found. Um, before we go to break, I want to show you something. I just went. To, we went to the bathroom during the break. You're um, gonna show. I want to show you something. Our, Look what I found in the bathroom. Listeners? This is what I found in the bathroom. What do you tell, tell the listener? What you're looking at there? Um, I'm looking at a copy of GQ with Bradley Cooper on the cover. And what do you see here? Uh, I see a copy of Men's Fitness with Mark Wahlberg on the cover. And what kind of beard do you see on both of those men? Uh, well, Bradley Cooper has what looks like a five o'clock shadow, and Mark Wahlberg has an interestingly manscaped beard, um, sort of full on the sides. But pretty, to Diana and Texas's point, these are the popular kind of beard these days, which are just beyond the I didn't shave stage. Not are you trying to say, are you, you're trying to justify your, justify your own sort of beard. I'm saying you judged me on an improper standard. Um, I want to hear this from Jeff in California. Jeff in California has been waiting to tell us about his own beard. Jeff, your time has Hello. finally come. Tell us about your beard. Well, love the show. Love you guys. Jeff, are you there? The country. Yeah, can you not hear me? Jeff! Oh, Why you no love me? us, Jeff? <laughs> oh. Well, I thought we had Jeff who was going to tell us about his unemployment beard. Can you not hear me? No, we don't have him. Go yeah, on. we can't hear Jeff. Oh. This is when we play circus music. For everybody. <laughs> hey, you know what? After two hours, this is our only technical mistake. Amazing the show thinking all these problems including our clock was running a minute late. Well, we're sorry Jeff We it. can't hear you. Uh, maybe other people could uh, and you were saying something awesome I'm sure about your unemployment beard, but uh, we know that Jeff said he was been rocking an unemployment beard For nine months. Yeah, but the good news about beards is when he gets that job and you will get a job Jeff I believe in you He can still keep a beard because beards are okay now. Yeah, but it's like a playoff beard like if it, if it does its job then it's no longer useful. He's using that beard to mark oh. his unemployment. 
like hockey players growing a beard during the playoffs. Or, right, like not ch- not changing your socks during a sports season. <laughs> something something like that. Okay. Um, I, I love that we totally exhausted beards. I don't know. Did we? Is there more to say on beards? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think the number of calls we had on beards really just reaffirms my point that beards are a cultural phenomenon of our time. Let's do this. When we come back, we're going to talk about, you have a story to share with us, a story of when animals attack. I also want to talk a little bit about charter schools. It's one of my most most passionate um, issues. Uh, represents an issue that affects all of us, our children, and I think is the ultimate reveal. Like I feel like the plane revealed something about the Andaman Islands and society and civilization and progress. Charter schools reveal philosophically where you are. I want to get to that. When we come back after the break on Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Music felt like what will an 80s sitcom. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like like I see people on the beach playing volleyball. I feel like I'm Tom Hanks in Bosom Buddies throwing a ball against the wall and catching it behind my back right now. <laughs> I liked it, jazzy. Um, I want to do something that we're gonna try and do regularly because I I love getting people to open up. I have this way of getting people to tell me their deepest darkest secrets. <laughs> I really do. If I don't say so myself. I really do. I don't know what it is. People open up to me, Will. Um, mm. And that's what I want our listeners to do now. It's called Essie's Confessional. And what I want you to do is call in or tweet, tweet us, and I'm going to get you to confess to something. And the question today is what song that you love right now are you so embarrassed that you would never tell anyone you are totally jamming to this song right now? I'll tell you mine. Can you guess? Well, I already told you. You did tell me. Story of my life. That's One Direction. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize it. Can you give me a little more? No. Uh, I am in love with this song. I sing it every single day. Um, I, I don't consider myself a directioner because I'm 35. <laughs> I'm 35. <laughs> oh, One boys, Direction. Oh, yeah. These la- boys are children. Oh, 1D. Yeah, 1D. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, yeah. That's, that's what people say. 1D. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I like that song. It's such a good song. It's a great song. And actually, I'm also embarrassed that I watch American Idol, but I do. And one of the contestants, Alex, performed that song. Was it Alex? No, it was someone else. It was some other guy. Performed that song. It was so good because it's such a good song. And I'm embarrassed by it, yet I can't stop singing it. So, Will, what song right now are you jamming to that you would, like, never want your friends to know? Well, um, I would say, you know, the thing about it is I'm, I'm not uh... – Music is not my thing. Like, I'm not into popular music. I'm rarely up on it. Yeah. Um, movies, 
books. Yeah. I can play. I can play. I go to the movies. I watch movies. I watch television series. True Detective, Breaking Bad. Yeah, you already House confessed today that you've that never stuff. seen The Godfather. Right. Yeah. That was Will's confession. Just kind of cut, took my credibility away on the whole movie thing. Mm-hmm. Still, um, I never profess on music. So the ones that I like that are in popular culture, because, I mean, the truth is, like I said earlier, most of my stuff is Waylon Jennings and uh, Jamie Johnson and stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, I get country. it. You're into country. I get it. Specific kind of country, please. <laughs> Thank you. Specific kind of country. I get it. You're from Texas. Uh, I love, and my friends know it because I played it on repeat at a bachelor party in December, Lord's Royals. Love it. Hey. Love it. That's a good confession. But. That's a great song. I have a more embarrassing one, I would say. I like Macklemore's um, Thrift Shop. I wow. Like That's a terrible song. Yeah, I like it. That's a terrible song. My kid introduced me to it. He comes home singing $20 in my pocket. No. By the way, he sings the kids bop version because it is an explicit song. Yeah, right. But right. at school, they have dance parties hmm. and they play kids bop version of everything, which is terrible. By wow. The way. Weird. Um, well, that's good. Okay, so I want you to call in 888-900-3393. If you have, if you are ready to confess to me, your friend Essie, what embarrassing song that you absolutely love right now? Just tell me. You don't have to tell your friends. Just tell me. I'm here for you. <laughs> call in. Um, what I want to talk about now, though, I have a confession. Uh, you know, I, I like to hunt and fish a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, you mentioned. <laughs> have, I, have I mentioned that? Uh, but somehow it seems as though my reputation for killing and catching animals precedes me in some places because I am often the target of animal attacks. Mm. This happens. Either they know that I'm coming for them <laughs> Or um, Doubtful. they've heard they've heard the word on the street is that I'm coming and I'm armed. <laughs> I don't know because the things that happen to me are so bizarre. All right, what are you talking about? Well, I, I have two um, just off the top of my head. One was about a year ago and I was fishing with my dad uh, in Naples, Florida. And it was like leisure fishing. We're on a pontoon boat. We're going through the mangroves. We're catching redfish and sheep's head and leisure fishing, drinking beers. Great day. Catch this small catfish. And catfish are gross. I don't like catching catfish. I don't like eating catfish. Throw it back. Taking the hook out. Yeah, taking the hook out is tough, but I've caught catfish, so I know how to do it. So I take the hook out of the catfish, and I land the fish on the boat, and I'm about to kick it off the boat, essentially. Just, you know, tap it back into the water. And it decides, in its brain, it decides to flip itself over and launch its poisonous barb through my foot. (laughs) It decided to do that because it hated me. Clearly. The fish broke off. The barb stayed in my foot. I don't. Oh. I, I cannot tell you how painful this was. It's poison. How it's much toxic. Barb? How much barb? It was through my foot. It was like this. Wow, like uh, an like inch. Like an inch. inch, like an inch. Yeah. Um, through my foot. It's poisonous. It's toxic. Um, it can't kill you, really. But <laughs> if enough Apparently. of that stuff, <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> but I did have to go to the hospital and have it surgically removed because wow, really, it, you can't. Leave I was kind it of dismissing your story a moment ago. Like, no, no, no. I. 
I went to the hospital where they say this happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. We have to we have to surgically remove poisonous catfish barbs all the time. Right. So that was uh, one story. Animals attack. My story from two weekends ago, which which is reinforcing that this is a thing in the animal world to attack Essie. This is a known thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a known thing. I was also fishing uh, off the other coast of Florida, uh, right on the Florida-Georgia line. And we were fishing for... What? The name of a band. It is the name of a band. Cruise. Um, fishing for sea bass, which we caught, which was delicious. Came in from a five-hour fishing trip. And I'm walking on the dock, and a pelican did this to me. What kind of picture am I showing you, Will? You are showing me... <laughs> this is... This is this is a family show, first of all. <laughs> we don't have to go there. There's this, a reason. No, what do you mean go there? There's That's a exactly reason what this is. I did not tweet this photo out. You cannot. I know. I can't describe this. I'm aware. Well, a, pe- a pelican um, how... relieved itself on my face is what happened. Right. Uh, there's bird poop all, right, all over my face. There's white bird poop. All over my face. All over your face. Yeah. And now there's a reason being no one's seen this as picture. As good as I can right now. My brother and my husband rushed, rushed over to me to take this picture. They could not, I mean. It's ridiculous. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. You will capture this moment if you witness it. And then immediately we all said, you can't tweet this photo. I, this photo can never be seen. So there's a reason this photo isn't up on the internet for everyone to laugh at. I have to apologize to the listener that we cannot... I understand that radio is not a visual medium. That is my job to explain to you what I just saw. Actually, you've seen it too. Uh, it's, it's in different yeah. contexts. So it's yeah, it's a bad deal. Can't tweet this photo. That happened to me. I'm sure it will not be the last animal attack on Essie because this happens. This is just part of being me. Animals attack me. Catfish, pelicans. It'll happen. It seems It'll to happen, happen again. To you. Yeah. And in and in crazy ways. I mean in crazy bizarre ways. Um have you ever been attacked by an animal? I have. Not just a dog. I wasn't asking you. I was asking oh, our listeners. I thought we were that's talking to, to each other here. 888-900-3393 will be to back Kane in a minute. Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Kane and Cup. I'm Will Kane. I'm Essie Cup. So I want to tell you a story about my kid, Essie. Okay. And it's going to uh, not be just a story about my son, not just a story about um, New York City, not just a story um, about schools, but I think actually a story about our ideologies in particular, our philosophies and what it reveals. So my son goes to uh, Success Academy charter schools here in New York City. We were really happy that he got into this charter school. It's a random, dumb luck, pure lottery. Huh. No testing. Mm. 
the only thing you offer them, by the way, is your name and address to show that you're in the zone. Okay. Um, and then you enter a lottery, and you've seen these lotteries. Yeah. You've seen it on the movie Waiting for Superman. Yeah, it's a nightmare. You've seen it on the movie called The Lottery. These are families in an auditorium watching ping pong balls bounce around a cage, and your number is pulled out. Or sometimes it's a computer system. It's a randomized selection process. And you, in the end, find out your child is on one path or on another. Now, most of these schools, charter schools in general in New York, and Success Academy in, in particular, were opened up in disadvantaged, impoverished neighborhoods like Harlem, like in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. Most of the students, 80 to 90% of the students that attend charter schools in New York City are minority children. Mm-hmm. 80% are on free or reduced lunch. It's the students who attend these schools, in short to you, are the ones who most of the educational process have said, these are the ones we're having the hardest time reaching. Mm -hmm. These are the ones we're having the hardest time saving, right? Now, Success Academy, Harlem Central Middle School. These children I just described for you scored number one in the state of New York in math. Took the state exams, scored number one in the state. Hmm. Not the rich kids on the Upper East Side, not the rich white kids in Westchester. These Minority, underprivileged children in Harlem, number one. Just a couple of weeks ago, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, announced he would stop the growth of charter schools and specifically Success Academy and specifically shut down the Harlem Central Success Academy Middle School that scored number one in the state. Right. He has said he cannot and will not tolerate the founder, Eva Moskovitz, of this school chain. This to me, yes. What does he have against her? Well, okay. So I say, suggest to you that um, that this reveals something about our philosophies, and I do believe that, and I want to get to that. There's also an alternative uh, aspect to this that he hates Eva Moskowitz. They served on the city council together. They were antagonists, and so he personally has a personal animus towards her. And if that's true, by the way, then, and it's also true that Chris Christie shut down a bridge and caused traffic for personal animus. Right. He's got nothing on the mayor of New York City. Yeah. This guy sacrificed 600 children. Children, right. But I think it's actually more about philosophy. Um, The whole idea of charter schools, and you know this, Mm -hmm. was innovation. And, you know, the funny thing is, before I had kids, I see education as an issue didn't do it for me. And I know the rating stuff. Education does not light up the call screeners. Right. Education does not produce for you ratings. For whatever reason. Or drive people to the polls. For whatever reason. Yeah. I want the GOP to jump all over school choice. I want conservatives to champion the concept. Yeah. But I know that for some reason, it isn't what people vote on. I mean, the future of our children just doesn't animate us. Bizarrely, yeah. Um, the whole purpose of charter schools was to allow for innovation, mm-hmm. right? By the same rationale that your phone gets better every day because of the concept of trial and error, success and failure, we'll try new things, we hope to see that happen in education. Not just stick with one model. Right. That we've tried for 100 years and for 40 years seen stagnant results and poured more money into it, tripled education spending over the last 40 years for flat test results. So what did we do? We said, okay, let's allow for innovation. These little, little, little laboratories, let these people try new things. And what did they try? They tried teachers with no union, non-unionized teachers, longer school days, different curriculum. And some of them failed. Some of charter schools weren't good, aren't good. And some of them are very good. And those are the ones that Bill de Blasio is shutting down, the ones that are very good. So he's taking the successes born out of a free market system that weeds out 
the good from the bad. It's taking the good, the good results of that free market, say a performing stock, right? A, a company that's killing it in profits and deciding I'm overriding the free market and I'm turning this off. Why? Why would someone do that? Someone who got elected, by the way, supposedly standing up, in particular for underprivileged people, in particular for minorities, yeah. Yeah. sees an opportunity, an outlet. And I've gone to Harlem. I've met with these people. Uh, wrote a column on CNN.com about Joshua Jenkins and Brianna Pizarro. And I think in, soon here at The Blaze, I'm hoping to produce a documentary about this process of these families and what are they going to do with their children now? Yeah. Because this is a story about parenting. You know, that's the thing, thing I said. You know, it's, Education doesn't do it for people for some reason. But this is about parenting. It's about choosing the path for your child. And, and then on a, on, a, on a larger sense, about progress for our society. Mm. But So why would someone do that? And what I would suggest use this, they have a perverted sense of fairness. It's a concept that it would be better for everyone to have below average if it were spread around equal right. than for anyone to disproportionately have good. Have more, right. What was that line from that movie? Is I don't know. What was it? I got good news and I got bad news. We got, we got crap for dinner. <laughs> That's the bad news. The good news is we got plenty of it. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> that seems to be the mindset. Right, right. Equality is more important than glimmers of success. Right. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, and it's not doing Bill de Blasio any favors here in New York. I mean, this has really been a divisive and controversial thing for him here. And it calls into question the long-term success of that progressive agenda. Maybe can get you elected, but can you govern as a progressive, as a Bill de Blasio progressive? I don't think New York City is convinced. I don't think Andrew Cuomo is convinced. That's what I was going to say. I don't think Democrats are convinced. That's right. The funny thing about this is, while school choice is certainly something conservatives should adopt and should champion, yeah. it's not just conservatives this appeals to. And this fight in New York is actually one between Democrats. It's the Democratic right. governor of the state, well, Andrew and this, Cuomo, this reminds and me, this mayor. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the same thing is happening in Chicago. I've been watching Chicagoland on CNN, and it's a it's a riveting series. And they, they show Rahm Emanuel, the Democratic mayor of Chicago, arguing with Democratic teachers union over shutting down schools. He wants to make tough decisions and save money. Yet every parent knows you shut down this school in a poor neighborhood, and this is 600 kids out on the street with nothing to do. What then in a city of violent crime? What then? So you have these two Democratic factions arguing over how to solve this problem. Well, and when you see this fight between Democrats, I mean, I certainly think there is a philosophical divide. But also, it, it, we can't escape the fact that it's, it's beholden to politics as well. And it's the power of the teachers union. There right. are those Democrats who got elected because they are beholden to the teachers union. And right. the teachers union simply does not like charter schools, specifically successful ones. Because they oh, because they threaten they threaten the union. They highlight their own failures. That's right, of course. And in New York City, the specific issue is: can you have charter schools co-located inside the same building as mm. traditional public schools? Mm -hmm. And the whole point of that, honestly, in the end, is that highlights even more the failure of the existing school because you're giving someone the same facilities, literally. Right, you can compare down them, the hallway. You can compare them immediately. Um, what 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 I don't understand is charter schools don't have to supplant public schools. They are another option. They are more choice. Well, I see. I, I, I mean, it, you're it, thinking it, about that rationally. And that's sure, the sure, mistake sure. you're making. Oh, yeah, right, of course. Um, yeah. But if you're a that. member of the teachers union, 
Do you want that choice to exist? Of course you don't. Right. Of course you don't. So once again, the politics of our children's future. Politics. This should animate folks. Yeah. Those listening. This should matter. I have to, I'll be honest with you. It didn't matter to me either until I had kids. Yeah. And then when I saw had that window into this issue, I saw how important it was, not just for me and my children, but for all of us, because you want to have economic growth. You want to have a society that reflects the values that you that you hold dear. It's in education. This is where it is. Right. This is how you create it. I'm talking about stimulus. Talk to me about how you're going to reform education. It's the number one thing you can do to make this country move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And choice. It's about choice. It's about free markets. Yeah, I mean, just happen to be on the right side of the issue. Yeah, okay. uh, agreed. All right. We got one more segment with you folks before we're done with our first edition of Cane and Cup. We've been with you for two, a little over two and a half hours. What I've a fun show. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I hope people did. I mean, they, they seem to have on, on Twitter. We got a lot of calls. That's great. Now, if you want to hang out with us for the last 15 minutes of the show, call 1-888-900-3393. I'll tell you what. You tell us what you think of this show. And you don't I love like it. that. You don't like it? You can tell us. Yeah, give us feedback. Cathartically, get it out. Tell us what you think. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Kane and Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. And Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Kane and Cup, the home stretch of the inaugural episode of Kane and Cup. I believe we have uh, an honored uh, guest to jump on here with us. The guy who used to occupy this time slot, who is now about to take the air, I believe in about 10 minutes. Is that right? Is Chris Salcedo here with us? Hey, guys. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, you know what? I listening this morning. First off, I was as I was going through my show prep, listening to the program. I thoroughly enjoyed what was coming out of the speakers. Number one, number two, you guys are scaring me because you guys start talking about conservatism inside of inside of movies, inside of yeah, what a, yeah. And so I had something planned, not exactly along those lines, but something that uh, that ties in with with my book Liberty Rises that I had planned for today. And I, I've been a big proponent on my program for the last, uh, you know, months, basically talking about how we conservatives need to reinsert in education and in the popular culture and in, and in Hollywood and movies and stuff like that. And here you guys are talking about this stuff. About so it's education like, and popular culture. Wow. Exactly. Huh. Very simpatico. Well, so we'll, hand that, we'll hand that ball to you in about 10 minutes and uh, you can tell the audience a little more about conservatism in, in Hollywood and pop culture and movies specifically. In, enjoying it, guys. I hey, love the show. Thanks for calling in, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Really you appreciate bet. it, man. I want to hear from Julie in San Antonio, who wants to tell us something about our first show. Julie, what did you think of Kane and Cup today? I thought you guys are terrific, but more importantly, you are a reflection of the genius that is the blaze and the people on the blaze and its creator. You two, anybody that's watched you long enough, know that you're not in lockstep necessarily. Right. That you will challenge one another. Yeah. You guys, I know you make a perfect pair. Thank you, Julie. You know that's what's fun, though, right? Like, yeah, that's great to hear. I don't know if we just sat around and agreed all the time. I just get so bored. bored. (laughs) It's boring, and that's—I mean—that's what I love about real news. Is ostensibly you've got five conservatives at a table. I can't count 
how many times we have disagreed on time. I mean, it's daily. It's daily that the five of us will disagree because maybe someone's more libertarian on this issue or more moderate on this issue or there's social, you know, social conservatism. That I is have a group of lady friends who are all conservatives and we all agree. The only thing we can agree on with conservatives is it's a lot like herding cats. Well, yeah, because because our our, our party's got so much intellectual diversity, and sometimes that results in some some catfights. But I think most often when we embrace it, when we we embrace that intellectual diversity, it it makes us more interesting. I mean, it makes us more appealing to all different kinds of people. So I'm, I'm really glad that you heard that. Julie, and that you like that in our show. Thanks for I calling appreciate in. Julie. I got a few tweets here. I got uh, oh Andrea and Ruth. I'm loving the one-on-one conversational style for this show. It reminds me of the old days when with Essie and Nick Rizzuto. Oh, that? that happened. Uh, Kit says uh, she's trying, but she's not getting into this. She's missing Buck Sexton and uh, Chris Salcedo, which you don't have to because, by the way, Chris will be up in just a few moments, and Buck's on every day, and we'll try to win. Yeah, you over, no, Kit. don't don't miss either of those, Kit. They're they're still there. Johnny Mac, uh, which is at Robbie Hart twenty one. I really enjoyed Cannon Cup. Good back and forth. Good subjects. Fun and informative. And one more. And this is one of my favorites because it represents exactly what we try to do. Um, Andrew, uh, what is Andrew's exact Twitter handle? But he said, "What I love about the show is you bounce around from everything from walking out of Africa to the Andaman <laughs> Islands." To here it is. It's it's Andrew. It's Ado Politics. Really enjoying Will Kane and Se Cup. No topic is off limits from drunk fishermen <laughs> to Asians walking out of Africa. I don't remember Not drunk fishermen, that, but, but it, that could have happened. That could have happened. No, I love that we have we have three hours. We're going to talk about politics, of course. We're also going to talk about pop culture, sports, maybe yeah. the stuff that you and I talk about when we're not on the air. Exactly. That's. I mean, why wouldn't we just do that in front of a microphone? Let's do this. You asked a question, right? I did. You asked people to yeah. confess something to you. You put the husky voice together. You know, you really mustered all your huskiness up and said, yeah, trust share me. with me. Yeah, trust me. And trust me. Call in. Well, Justin's going to take you up on that. Justin Florida wants to confess something to S.E. Confess something to me, Justin. Uh, hello, S.E. I'm Hi. very happy to hear you guys on the weekend now. Well, thanks. Um, my confession is, um, well, I have uh, my first part is a song confession, and the song confession also relates to Stand With Grayson. So my song confession is Live and Learn by Crush 40, which I'm sure you've never heard of. Never. I haven't. Nothing. Why yeah. is it embarrassing? Uh, why is it embarrassing is because, well, it's almost most people with, who are fans of Crush 40 would call them a guilty pleasure oh. in that we remember them from our very early childhood because Crush 40 is the official like band that does the soundtracks for the Sonic the Hedgehog series in the late 90s to early 2000s. Oh, wow. Right. We're going right. deep here. Right. Okay. All right. That's we a good li- one. We got a little bit of time left. A little about, about 30 seconds. Hurry, Justin. Okay. It's very outdated. So anyway, what I was saying, that how that relates to Stan with Grayson, is that um, they, uh, he either will go the path of learning to conceal his uh, sort of broniness and beliefs and such, uh, as yep. I did with my various interests sure. get into that, uh, you know, being Sonic. a conservative yep. in elementary school doesn't go very well with most people, especially... We got to go, Justin. Oh, I'm sorry, Justin. We got to go. This is our inaugural edition of Kane and Cup. Had a lot of fun this morning. Yeah, thanks You're for hanging out with us, everyone. On the Blaze Radio Network.